welcome to this week's episode of Clock Combos. In just a few minutes, we're going to be joined by Cameron Ross, the founder of Solis Bio Products, which is a company that's helping to save the world's plastic pollution problem. And Cameron was on the Forbes Next 1000 list. That's actually how we were connected with him. He was also one of the youngest on the list and we just found his story super interesting. So we're excited to get him on in just a few minutes here and learn more about his story, his company and lessons that he's learned as an entrepreneur and as a, as a young entrepreneur. And we're drinking. I okay, this is the trick, the trick to the trade. You get your cup. This is a mixing flavors. You get your cup and then you crack your next one so that you don't have to make the crack noise halfway through the episode when you drink it. Or you just drink it down and then fill it up beforehand. How many do you go through in an episode? I just went through two. <laughs> Hey guys, this is Sheila and Maya Dunn, and you're listening to Claw Combos. Thanks so much for joining this. It's great to meet you. Uh, well, I guess I'm uh, branding today, so. <laughs> oh, there we go. Oh, no, well, thanks for having me. Too, but. Uh, <laughs> but awesome. Okay, so welcome to Claw Combos. Um, we're your hosts, Shula and Maya Dunn, and today we're joined by Cam, who is this, the founder and CEO of Solis Bio Products and was also one of the youngest on the Forbes Next 1000 list. So we're super excited to have you here, Cam. Thanks for joining. Thank you very much for having me again. I think I'm second youngest behind <laughs> you or both of you. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, it was funny. There's like some 20-year-olds, some 22-year-olds, but... I don't know if it's like by month or if we're just like, I'll, I'll call myself the youngest, but I don't know that I, that I was. Um, but awesome. So to, to get started, could you just tell us like your story these past uh, few years, maybe like starting from when you got to college? When I got to college, <laughs> wow. um, going way back. <laughs> I started, so yeah, so I, um, I went to American University up in Northwest DC and I came, I got accepted into the incubator program there with an idea before I even got accepted into the college. So that was kind of funny. It was like, I hope I get accepted now. So um, <laughs> no, American, their uh, incubator program is what really drove me to come to AU. I, I mean, Professor Tommy White and Bella that run it are incredible. Awesome. Uh, and I just knew I wanted to be in, a, in this, uh, you know, network. So I came into American with an idea, it was called Blue Cloud, and it was a microfinancing company to help smaller scale companies, startups with you know the Jobs Act passing and all, um, to get funding from people like me that wanted to invest in companies, but didn't really have you know hundreds of thousands of dollars to sink into them, you know, a couple thousand at a time. At 18, yeah. Uh, <laughs> old, miserably, um, it was pretty bad, I mean, I mean, it wasn't that bad. I mean, we got development going. It was, there were a ton of pivots at the end. It just kind of, you know, had to break away. I was, this was back in 2017. Um, and I just, I was already working on Solis at the time. And that was um, a whole different thing where I kind of just said, it's time for me to 
you know, focus on Swiss, see if I can build this company up instead. And, you know, truth be told, I was 100% more passionate about building Swiss at the time. And, you know, my, I was more confident in my abilities to run this business as opposed to a tech company, mm-hmm. microfinancing, dealing with all that legislation. I am not that person. So let's uh, forget about that. Um, but uh, building Swiss, I, it started, it wasn't like a, you know, an aha moment or anything. It was me, you know, on a hiking trip with some friends and some people, you know, on a few of them actually just ended up, you know, not enjoying them because we picked up pocketfuls or trash bag fulls of waste scattered on these hiking trails. And, you know, that's, that's really annoying uh, when you're just trying to go out, you know, and, you know, we picked them up from the gorges in West Virginia. I picked up trash in Norway, you know, it's everywhere. It's ridiculous. And there's usually, you know, trash cans on these trailheads, but people just, you know, throw them out there. And in that frustration, it was kind of just an idea like, well, what if packaging was designed to, you know, work for the environment rather than against it, you know? And, and that's kind of where the idea was conceptualized to try to make packaging materials just more sustainable. And so when I started looking into it, it was, you know, it it kind of hurt, but it was also great to see, you know, that little turtle get impaled with that straw, because uh, that just set off, you know, the whole straw gate thing, and that kind of started leading people to be more aware of how damaging plastic really is. And it was great timing. Um, I ended up, you know, after I spent like a year on research and just trying to figure out what do I want to make, how do we want to make it, and. Um, yeah, so I unveiled, I unveiled the concept company at a business plan pitch competition at George Mason in spring of 2018. Uh, and we got runner up. We got great validation, great feedback from the audience. It was, I unveiled uh, compostable plastic water bottles. I uh, got a lot of feedback on that and realized, you know, that wasn't the way to go. Quick pivot, went to doing straws, cups, and lids. Uh, especially it was great in BC because we just had that straw ban go into effect in 2019. So I had all of 2018 to work on building the brand, building inventory, working, trying to get in with distributors and franchises and restaurants in the area to, you know, make sure we're one of those premium providers for compostable alternatives to plastic for food service providers. Um, So real quick, so you, why did, what was the feedback that said, don't do compostable water bottles and switch to straws and lids and, and cups? It was, uh, it was a multitude of things. I got, it was a lot of, you know, people just being sincere, like, hey, we love this. We hope you, you know, succeed. And there were a few people. So the judge feedback was great. And then it was kind of like my own internal thinking about it. You know, this is going to be too difficult because one, the material is not ready for those kind of applications. For example, low heat tolerance. If you leave a water bottle or a soda bottle made from this in your car in the middle of summer, like uh-huh. somewhere in Virginia Beach, you know, where I'm from originally, it gets up to like 130 degrees in your car if it's in the sunlight. So it would melt the bottle and therefore you just have your drink all over your cup holders and people would, you know, start complaining. So right. it didn't seem to make sense to start off with bottles. The other thing was the high startup cost to get bottles made and then also working with bottling companies as a new, you know, as someone who's, you know, I was studying the chemistry and all that as someone that didn't have any traction beforehand it wasn't the uh wasn't the right way to go um but i realized i could start off not necessarily smaller but a little bit more direct you know one thing better cash flow with food service as opposed to just going with the bottles gotcha. um, so the material wasn't ready the cost was too high it might have melted in your drink it just didn't make sense got it got it 
And that was, that was in 2018 when you pivoted to straws and cups and lids? Yeah, so I actually, so I unveiled it in spring. I actually, with the, we got runner up in that pitch competition. So I used that money to officially incorporate the business in the summer of 2018 uh, and get initial inventory, get that made, set up the manufacturing process, whatnot. Um, and then, you know, we didn't, so I didn't start selling uh, until September of 2018. And that kind of really changed for us in that time frame because we got a deal with Compass Coffee, which is, you know, one of the biggest um, coffee franchises in the DC area. Uh, they've got a you know, handful of locations. They, they've been great. They do a lot of volume. They've been, they're, they're happy to work with, you know, a local company. So it was really great for us. You know, it was a completely custom job. None of our inventory worked for them. So we made orange straws, with custom wrapping, wrapping that, you know, told people don't do this, you know, and they say shark friendly and they're all cute and whatnot. Uh -huh. um, so we, we had worked on that. Uh, and then we got compass coffee. So that was great. That kind of just, you know, jump started us a little bit, but you know, to get to that point, I had sent 800 or 900 emails and cold calls out to just local restaurants and, you know, anybody just say, Hey, you know, we've got this product. Are you interested? And, you know, we got a few people to respond, but Compass Coffee was the big one, the one we went full out with and, you know, um, started making our first deliveries in February of 2019, January, end of January, early February, 2019. Um, and then it kind of just snowballed from there. Uh, I mean, we, in, in the spring of 2019, you know, we won $95,000 with the pitch competitions. We, uh, picked up a lot of uh, franchise business. So I dropped out of AU at the end of 2019 spring semester. And I just focused on this full time, got into some accelerator programs, started working on some new angles and it, it just took off. Was it you pitching in all those pitch competitions? Always. Yeah, just you. No. Yeah, you know. A lot of people don't know. Uh, pitching is hard. Pitching is really, yeah. really hard. Uh, I, I spent a lot of time in our incubator uh, just hogging the slide, the presentation, you know, room and just going through pitches, you know, I, I probably ran through our pitch and practiced it and reiterated it and pitched two people and got feedback, you know, hours and hours and hours before them. But, uh, yeah, we did, um, TCU's values and ventures competition was perfect for us. It, you know, it looked for ventures that were not only, you know, viable for investment, but also that gave back, have value to add to, you know, um, to the business to, to give back to social entrepreneurship kind of thing. Uh, and we won that first place it was great. Uh, and it was an awesome, awesome event. I, you know, I'd love to, you know, publicize them a little bit right here because they were just, it was an incredible event and it was very competitive. It was very competitive. It was some, I didn't think we would make it to, you know, the top five, let alone win it. Cause I thought some of these guys, some of the pitches there were phenomenal. Um, so it was great to win that. That was 40 grand. And then right, right after that, or before it, uh, we went to UGA's great consumer brands competition and we won that. And that was awesome. We made it to the finals of Princeton's Tiger launch. Uh, wow. And we, we did a few others. So it was all in that time frame. So it was really hard because I, I knew this was happening in 2019. So I scheduled my classes to fall <laughs> all on Monday and all on Thursday. So from Monday, from like, 9:45, I think is when it started till 8 p.m. with maybe one hour of break I was completely unavailable that was all classes and Thursday it was minus one block class 
Um, so I, I made it like that. So I could have Tuesday, Wednesday and Friday to just work on the business and, you know, the weekends to study and, you know, see friends and stuff. Um, so that, that it helps, uh, you know, with all these pitch competitions, falling generally on the weekend so they could work around schedules. I could fly out on the weekend, come back and still not miss too much class. So you basically chose your college off this incubator and then drop out of college for this company in high school or before high school were you just like I'm going to be a CEO there's no questions asked like I know what I want to be and that's starting a company or how did you kind of get into this entrepreneurship mode? <laughs> so in high school I did um, I was highly competitive in baseball. I played a ton of baseball, tried to stay active. I was trying to play for college, but I threw my arm out uh, as a pitcher and I had to get an ulnar nerve surgery. So I was the youngest person to ever get that surgery when I was uh, 15. Um, wow. And so, yeah, it took uh, youngest six of everything. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. It's just, it, it took six months for me to even gain back, you know, full motion in my arm. So it was that hurt, um, but it allowed me to focus more, you know, on the last two years of high school, what I wanted to do. Um, and so I started, so in high school, I worked on a few ideas. I worked on an app with a friend that, you know, it, it was called Celeblock. And what it did was prevent your network from basically, you would, it would basically just shut off your phone while you're driving. Um, so you wouldn't look at your phone. And, you know, a lot of people didn't like that, but a lot of parents did because it was safety for their kids. Uh, so that was something that, you know, I worked on. And then I worked on a solar power phone case that was able to expand about four times bigger than itself for sun charging. So I worked on a few things um, in high school, nothing that I ever really took off with. I did a program called Odyssey of the Mind, which was really awesome. And yeah. it was, a, you know, it was a global. Have you heard of it? Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we went to, did you ever go to world finals or anything like that? <laughs> I wish. No, no. no. Um, yeah. <laughs> Just heard of it. Oh, almost, yeah, yeah. We were at Worlds too. No, we weren't. We weren't. But we, I think our, our school offered it. I don't even know that I was in it. Were you, Sheila? You yeah, I might. I just know I've heard of it. <laughs> okay. Well, that's cool that you know about it. I'm glad you do and that you did it. Um, I was very competitive in that. We did the balsa wood structure. And so we made these structures that weighed, you know, less than a quarter and you have to put weight on them until they break. And you had to, you know, creatively combine the skit with it. Uh, so I, I just focused on the building the structures and I, I was determined to, you know, hold the highest weight. That's all I focused on. Uh, uh, but, you know, think, you know, Virginia, you know, I'm from Virginia. We have a really solid, uh, competition team in Virginia so we went to world finals every year for our in my high school years so four years it was really great honestly best experiences uh, still to this day of my life going to world finals um wow. it was wow. yeah it, it had a huge impact on me and you know creatively speaking too um I, I really loved it so that Odyssey of the Mind was something you know I still stay in touch with our coach from that and you know some of the team members and you know younger teams that were coming up from elementary middle school try to help them out um yeah, that, that, that was a big thing for me. I was mainly just out to see the mind in baseball in high school. And then when I came to college, I was ready to, you know, hit the ground. But I've always been business savvy. Do, your, do you think you're, do you have siblings and did your parents do any like thing with entrepreneurship that kind of gave you that as an option or did you just? No, uh, thankfully I didn't have to share anything. I'm an only child. <laughs> and uh, uh, my parents, no. 
but nothing entrepreneurially. We live in a um, really high flood zone in the Virginia Beach area. And so in Hurricane Isabel, our house got wiped out. Um, and my parents, uh, something happened with the insurance that they didn't fully cover it or something like that. So it took them a long time to recover from that. So I always wanted to be not just financially set, but, you know, I just, just kind of do something that leaves the, don't be a bad, you know, don't be a dick. Sorry, you know, just be a good person. And, you know, and to me, in my mind, building things that, you know, will leave the world a little bit better than when we entered it. That's kind of what that means to me. And, you know, being a decent person and not just respectfully, but just the, you know, what, what our purpose is and whatnot. Would you say that's uh, your favorite part about being an entrepreneur, being able to kind of control the impact you have on the world and, and I guess control your own life too, but. It's definitely, yeah, you're right. It's definitely that freedom and the flexibility it has. Uh, I, I love, I never wanted a nine to five job. I can tell you that right off of that. I know I didn't want to do anything traditional in that sense. I wanted to be free. That was one thing, you know, watch my parents work their, you know, tails off, whatever I'm allowed to say for your podcast <laughs> to, uh, <laughs> to, uh, <laughs> um, to just try to, you know, dig themselves out of that hole that, you know, the hurricane put them in. So that really, I, I definitely didn't want that. Um, and I, you know, I 100, you know, love and respect my parents for, you know, what they did to get out of that. And that was a big impact, but, um, yeah, I definitely did not want that. I wanted to be free and flexible. I love to hike. I want to be able to just up and leave on a weekend and go somewhere, uh, whenever I want. Um, so if I had anyone say, Hey, come to California with me next week, I'll say, cool. I'll book the flight right now. That's, you know, that's what I expire to have, but it does come back. <laughs> yeah, it sounds great. Um, but it does come back to wanting to build things that, um, that just leave the world a little bit better. And, you know, I'm very passionate about nature and, you know, uh, I, I, for some reason, I love chemistry. I don't know why. I was never a chemistry major. I was finance, actually. This was all self-taught. And I just love how it works and how we can use plastics and, you know, traditional plastics and then make bioplastics and make marine degradable plastics. I just think it's so fascinating. And being able to do that all day long, in addition to, you know, hiring people and trying to build an organization where people share that similar mission, those relationships, that's very rewarding to me. Yeah, that's awesome. We, we could have switched majors. I was full <laughs> science chem, and I don't know that I share the same passion, but... Yeah? Where'd you go? <laughs> we both went to Colgate University. And that's uh, in New York? Yeah, it's a small, okay. small school, upstate New York. Okay. But... Well, oh, sorry, what? No, I was going to say, did you drop out or are you still in school? I actually graduated in uh, December in 2020, so Congratulations. Kind of rushed it right along, but yeah, thanks. I, I, well, I wanted to talk to you about that, actually. Something I found interesting is that you chose to drop out. Um, with how many years did you have left? Two? Or... Yeah, so uh, I had two years left um, in 2019, yeah. I had two years left. It wasn't, it was a very hard decision. People, you know, they idolize dropouts, they should not. Um, you know, I hate when people, I hate telling people I'm a dropout. I really do. It's kind of, I don't know. I feel like it creates an air of 
you know, holier art thou kind of thing when people, when I tell people that, and I, I just hate that. So I tell people I've been stopped out. I plan to go back to school, but um, no, it was, you know, when we won all those pitch competitions and we started getting all these new clients and then we, it, it just, it came to the point where, you know, some of my grades and the classes I really didn't want to be in started to suffer uh, as opposed to the ones I did want to be in. And it just, it, it didn't, it wasn't a good mindset in there. And it was just, it was the timing. Uh, I, unfortunately, I had a situation where it worked out for me uh, for living up to be able to stay in here in DC uh, and, and, and just a few factors. Um, it took me about two months to decide if I actually wanted to drop out. I initially just stopped out. So I stayed enrolled if I could come back if it failed over the summer or the fall, uh, which didn't. So thankfully I, I just said, you know, Basically, in fall of 2019, I officially dropped out. And I was like, you know, it's just, I can always come back to school. I can't always, you know, make my mark in this space. So I just decided to run full time with it. And no complaints here. I've been fine. Yeah, it's something that we, um, you know, now being graduated, I'm like, thank, just, I'm so <laughs> relieved by it because in school and working on the company was, a constant back and forth of should I, I mean, yeah, it was, I was actually pretty serious, you know, but I think one thing that kind of allowed me to be more flexible was having a partner that was out of school. So I was fortunate in that case that they could, you know, take, do, do more time, but. It's uh, night and day. Yeah, it's, it's totally. So I just graduated well in May, but we got sent home in March. So starting in March, absolutely no school, school was considered. Um, but yeah, it's, it's totally, and I also had a partner who was full-time, fortunately, but I don't know how I would have been able to do it if we didn't have those partners. And then also like now looking back, you know, I have no regrets as well. Like I'm glad I finished, but then also it's like, if I had been doing this full-time for the past three, four years, our business would be in an entirely different spot. Mm -hmm. So I definitely, yeah, understand that. And I took an academic leave as well and I focused full time on my business and then and then ended up going back. So you always have that option. And it's I also think I'm curious, what do you think the future of higher education is? Do you think it's going to be this the four year uh, four year degree? In the you know, and you know, uh, you know, more power. Idea. I'm glad that, you know, you said that's uh, that's awesome that you, you know, kind of had a similar path that way. I mean, you're still graduating. You said that's awesome. Um, I would like to have a degree yeah it's I don't know I don't like to discuss this topic uh, <laughs> I, I for one I, I do believe in higher education and you know it's definitely you know that certificate does mean a lot and you do learn a lot and it's not your degree is not about you know what the paper says it's about you know the networks you've made the, the people you've known you know the, the experiences you've built to get that degree the internships that come with it there's a lot of things behind that piece of paper mm -hmm. I don't like being defined by it that you know having that degree and, and you know they're, they're expensive uh and that's one thing so you know looking forward I, I believe a lot of people are getting a little agitated with the current system and you know how traditional degrees are going about you know what job opportunities are out there and I think a lot of people are awakening to that um they want to build more practical rather than theoretical universities i mean i i mean you've heard you know elon musk talked about building his own school for his kids and you know others we talked you know other you know entrepreneurs out there are trying to get away from traditional educations and i'm all about that you know i would rather 
you know, if, if I ever had a kid, you know, I would rather, or myself, I would rather go to a school that specializes in, you know, things I'm interested in, like plasma gasification or something that you just don't get in traditional educations mm -hmm. that, and, and, you know, I, I'm hard of hearing, I wear hearing aids and I know a lot of people don't know that because I read lips. Um, but for me, having to take an understanding music class in college for $2,500 a class or whatever it was, you know, that's just, it, it does not make sense. And that's a requirement to have that mm -hmm. credit and something to make me a more well-rounded person. But, you know, I like to study on my own time. I read a ton of books. I watch a ton of documentaries and movies and, and, you know, I, I just don't see traditional education following through within 10 years. I'm sure we're going to see a radical shift in, you know, some of the things that are offered or new universities popping up that come to prominence. Hmm. We, yeah, we asked that question a fair amount and it's a conversation pretty common in our family. Sheila and I are the youngest of six. And so we were wow. kind of always pushed towards the, well, my, my father is a, or my dad, our dad is a, big entrepreneur, but we were also still pushed towards like the typical go to college for four years and get a job. And I think all of us in our own ways kind of despised the, the college. <laughs> um, but, you know, whatever, we're all, we're all through it now. So no, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, I can't speak on the, the siblings, but I'm the first in my entire family to go to a four year college. Most of them went to trade schools and uh, or two year degrees to be accountants and computer automated designers and stuff like that, which is really cool. Um, and, you know, I, I honestly looking at it, I would probably have rather done that. But, you know, I, I can't complain. I'm very happy with how things worked out for me and, you know, what we make of it. So but uh so you were recently named to the 20, DC's 25 under 25. Is that was yeah. it, that was recent? Yeah, that was uh, a couple months ago, actually. Yeah, that was that was really awesome. I think it was in the summer, um, summer of 2020. We were 25. I was 25 under 25. It was a good feeling. Probably not as good as a feeling as Forbes with you guys, uh, but you, I mean, <laughs> you clearly know it feels great to be on that list, especially being in the first 250. Uh, but 2525 in DC is awesome. And before that, in 2019, somehow we got on DCNO's radar and we were, you know, one of the top 50 on fire companies of 2020 as a startup. So that was also really cool. And they held a big event for that. Um, so yeah, yeah, 2525 was awesome. Congratulations. That's, a, that's amazing. And so how do you think being in DC? Um, so I actually just moved here in October of 2020. But how do you think being, well, you were you were from Virginia and Virginia Beach area, but how did that influence your um, passion for, you know, creating these products and, and your interest in chemistry, or maybe not necessarily interest in chemistry, but your desire, I think DC is a very unique city in that way. Oh yeah. Yeah, and you know, uh, I, I'm glad you're here, by the way. That's, that's great. I'm unfortunate timing this awful seven days without the sun we've had has been terrible uh so it's glad it's been like 60 degrees lately yeah, yeah. Uh, that's it really hasn't been this bad in a while um dc i i specifically so i i, I honestly out of all the cities in the u.s i love dc the most and that was something i wanted to be around um and i i was kind of so DC's in Alexandria, Northern Virginia, uh, Arlington, Alexandria, Fairfax County, DC, and you know some of Northern Ma or Southern Maryland, huge entrepreneurial and startup ecosystem, huge. 
Uh, and we, there, there's an unlimited amount of resources available to us. We've got tons of incubators. You've got 1776. You've got tons of investors. You've got K Street Capital. You've got the Alexandria Innovation Hub or whatever it is now. You've got Arlington. They're all putting money, like city states specifically are putting money to bring startups into the area. Um, so like right now we're looking to, you know, set up another facility or, or, or another facility somewhere in Manassas, Virginia, but we've been talking with economic councils around here and they really want to keep us in the area. And, and then there's rightly so, I mean, you know, we're, we're growing pretty fast. We're going to be hiring a lot of people soon. Yeah. Um, so DC uh, and the surrounding areas, the DMV area as a whole has been, yeah, I, this is one, uh, you know, another reason that I, I decided to come here. And I, in 2019, when we got we got accepted into Mass Challenges Houston Accelerator, uh, so I went out to Houston for a little while in the summer of 2019, which was terrible because it was the hottest temperature they've ever recorded in like 50 some years or whatever. It was 133 degrees. It was it was something. You step outside, you instantly sweat. Um, and you know, I've been to LA and San Francisco, and you know. DC, uh, 100% credit to DC, you know, you being here, the only thing better than that is honestly the Texas startup ecosystem. It is unlike anything I've ever seen. Uh, Fort Worth, the DFW area, Houston, Austin, San Antonio, they're all connected. They don't see themselves as one individual city. They all connect and they're a huge just startup ecosystem. They're, they're, they're their own thing. I have never seen anything like it. Just the access to capital, to resources that they provide you. Um, the only thing close to that I can imagine is San Francisco and DC. And I know Boston's picking up as well. Oh, that's great to hear you say that. Cause yeah, I, I just moved here and we, it's almost been what, four, four months or so, a little over that, but you come to DC and you think it's all politics and stuff, but there's a lot of, a lot of startups and I'm in a co-working now, a co-working space that I absolutely love. Yeah. Things that you wouldn't expect necessarily, unless maybe you're from the area or do more research, but I had no idea. No, yeah, you're absolutely right. That's funny that you said that, too, because, you know, American University, they pride themselves as being a political school. You know, we've got the School yeah. of Public Affairs and Communications and all this stuff, but we've also got great business schools here. And, and people forget, like, we've got Georgetown, we've got Howard, you know, we've got, we've got a, and George Washington University downtown is medical, highly awesome hospital and medical research that they're doing down there and dc is not just political that's just yeah it's just where it happens to be you know the state the united states is capital but there's a lot more to us <laughs> <laughs> some of your early day hustle stories that you yeah. text me like some funny stories if you have those to share yeah i do actually have a pretty good story i've been scared about you know putting it into the public just because not not for any reason in particular but I think it's a good startup story. I think a lot of people should hear about because um, it, it truly is looking back on it. I still don't really laugh about it, but uh, it, it's funny. Um, so our Compass Coffee order back in the day, the very first order, it got delayed. Um, and so we had to coordinate with Compass Coffee's distributor, which is Leonard Paper in Baltimore. And we had to make a delivery up there. Um, for January 25th or something like that. And basically the week before it was supposed to arrive, no one knew where it was. No one knew where it was. Uh, the order was gone. Literally like they weren't sure if it was at a port, if it was on the truck, if it was at the distribution facility, just gone. 
Um, and so I'm, and I ordered, so they, I ordered, uh, basically four, three or four months worth of inventory to have extra. So we wouldn't have to do this again. Um, so we could all come in one. So it just made sense to do that. Um, basically what happened was, um, I got a call the day we were supposed to deliver it when thankfully there, it was like one of DC's first snowstorms in a while back then that was, you know, it was the spring. Yeah. That January, 2019. Um, yeah, it was a snowstorm. So I used that and I was like, Hey, you know, we're not gonna be able to make the delivery tomorrow. The snowstorm has got our truck. So <laughs> a little backed up. Um, we're not going to be able to drive in this. Do you mind if we just come, uh, on, you know, Monday or the next, whenever it was, I don't remember the exact day, but, and they said, yeah, that's fine. We just need these in like ASAP. We're running out of inventory. Well, thankfully, right after I had said that, uh, they called me and say, Cameron, we found your, you know, your order. It's in New York. And I'm like, well, why is it in New York? It's supposed to be in DC. And they're like, it's at, uh, you know, St. George's, uh, warehouse or whatever it is where they were storing it i'm like well, why is it there it really it was supposed to come directly to our to, to here so so basically the next morning i mean that night i was like you know well shit i gotta go up to new york to pick these up so i had to so i got on a 3 a.m train amtrak to new york i got off at the newark uh station and this was it was 3 a.m so i got there about 6 7 a.m and mind you it, it's snowing it's New York. It's 17 degrees at 7 a.m. when the sun's not out. Um, so I arrive. I have to go find a U-Haul. Um, so I go to the U-Haul, and I, I'm feeling terrible. I don't know why. I just feel awful at this point in time. Um, and I get there, and then the U-Haul wouldn't open. So I'm standing in the freezing cold. I'm severely underdressed for 30 minutes. Finally, after 30 minutes, I get in the U-Haul. I take that you all, I go to the port or the, uh, the warehouse and I, we have to go load up the, the truck and it's 84 boxes or whatever it was, just threw them into the back of the truck. I had to do that all by myself. Um, and they weren't even palletized, which sucked. So I had to manually pick up each one and put them in the truck. They were supposed to be palletized too. They weren't. Um, so eventually I get the truck loaded and, you know, I have to head off from New Jersey. It was like nine 30 in the morning or something when we got done and I had to drive, you know, it was supposed to be a three and a half hour trip back to DC, but it took about six with Jersey drivers, not to put anything down with them, but it was awful. <laughs> um, and halfway through that trip, I had to stop too. Cause I figured out I had the flu. Uh, I was deathly sick. I had to stop. I had to pick up Mucinex or whatever it was, cough drops. I had to just sit for an hour just to, cause I, I was just not able to do this. Um, and if this is why it comes in. I'm glad you have partners because I didn't uh, for a number of reasons, but I was solo on this. And I basically, I, somehow I got that truck back to DC and then I had to unload it into my single dorm. And at the same time, somehow AU just lost all of their carts. And so I had to find this little two, two by four plywood thing with literally suitcase wheels on the bottom of it to just stack up five or six boxes at a time. Thankfully, I had elevators, take them up the elevator, take it to my dorm room and pile them up in there. And I was able to leave. And so I had, it took me two and a half hours to do that. I remember that. Uh, I couldn't go to sleep either. And as bad as I felt, I had to print out labels, label every single box that we were going to make for the delivery tomorrow. Um, 
And then I had to get up at 4 a.m. to drive up to Baltimore to make our 5 a.m. appointment time to drop off the boxes so they could take them out to Compass Coffees that day. So I was got up at 4 a.m., took that same U-Haul to Baltimore, dropped off all of those. I, I didn't even get out. I was like, hey, you guys unload it. Like, I'm just too sick to do this. You don't want to be around me. So just go unload it. They unloaded it, thankfully. Um, and then I was able to take off, drove back to D.C., made record time. I was not happy with it. <laughs> drove back to D.C., uh, dropped off that U-Haul I Rhode Island, took the metro on the red line all the way back to AU, which was 45 minutes. I remember I stopped at Panera to pick up an order, had some soup, and then I remember I passed out for a day and a half uh, after that. I, I missed my class. I remember that. It was a Thursday. I missed class all day, slept through Friday, um, woke up Saturday. <laughs> so that was, that was one of our early hustle stories that were pretty good, um, but it worked out, you know? And you have, thankfully, haven't had to do that again. You made it. You, you got the order in. <laughs> yeah. Got the order, got the delivery, got paid. Everything was perfectly as it should have been. You know, after that, it was just a pain in the ass to do that. Does, does Compass Coffee know the story? No, but, you know, I'll tell. Now they the, might. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell the buyers, you know, they can listen to this podcast. They can tell that story. Uh, I hope they like the dedication. I was committed yeah. to these guys. I was like, no matter what, I'm going to get their order in when they need it. Uh, yeah. I was determined. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, so 2020 specifically, you know, we, we were big in food service. We had, a, we had, you know, a huge franchise contract set up for 2020. We had worked hard. I, when I say we, it's me, the company, and I have sales reps and I have, you know, some other people, warehouse guys. Uh, we worked really hard to get these deals to fruition. And, you know, food service, you know, time from starting, uh, initiating a sales conversation to closing that minimum probably six months so yeah. we have been working on these since you know mass challenge all the way through the fall winter now we're in spring and we had one deal you know that was huge that was supposed to be signed uh in february or no it was in march it was supposed to be the first week of march uh so so covid pretty much killed all of them um they just it just wasn't possible for them to even you know follow through they just couldn't and you know it's understandable but that you know really kills us too but thankfully, before that, we have been getting a ton of requests from the cannabis and pharmaceutical industry to make packaging for them. And, and so in January, I said, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to start making cannabis packaging because, you know, we had a guy who said basically he needs this much. And it would have, and it was, you know, an opportunity for us to get into a space that didn't have anything remotely sustainable. Uh, so for all of 2020, we just spent our time developing packaging for the cannabis industry. And so we basically pivoted from just being food service to maybe 20% of our business now is food service. And the rest of it is consumer packaged goods or CPG, where, you know, but now instead of being a food service provider of alternatives, we're a, you know, marine degradable, biodegradable and compostable all around custom manufacturing 
you know, company. We do everything. So right now we're making vial containers, pre-roll containers for the cannabis industry. We're making lids and jars next. We're working on a, you know, a patent pending design pill bottle. We're working on, you know, blister packaging, all these different things that are regulated, by the way. That means, you know, they have to pass child resistance testing, anti-poison, you know, prevention, senior friendliness, all of these different things, which is, you know, a high sunk cost. I can see why a lot of these manufacturers in this space aren't spending the money to get sustainable, but uh, I can't complain. You know, we sold out our production almost immediately um, for what we can produce. So all we have to do, we're, sp we're supposed to pass the child resistance testing. Uh, if not tomorrow, next week, we get our certification for it. Uh, and then we're just going to be Godspeed producing as much as we can because we've already sold it all. I can't keep up. I've already got another mold on standby to up our to scale our production significantly from, you know, hundreds of thousands of units to multi-million units a month. So that's what we're working on right now. We're very excited about regulated packaging because people don't know that, you know, food service is terrible, terrible at plastic waste, but pharmaceutical and cannabis and you know cosmetics and soap and you know all these other industries they're just as bad you just don't realize it because they're they're heavier there's more to it than you know straws uh, you know you know starting in straws is you know it doesn't really make that big of an impact but it's awareness so i'm glad you know to be in a position right now where we have some unique uh, proprietary ways of being an actual impact you know driver in this industry in these industries for people needing custom packaging or for cannabis and pharmaceutical needs so 20 i'm very happy for the next you know 12 to 18 months see where it takes us that is so exciting yeah to be branching into the pharma industry you have all the success underneath you um just hearing it i get kind of like excited just even just i can hear like the the excitement in your voice that's that's really awesome and i'm excited to follow the company in 2021 and see how it evolves. i appreciate that that means a lot to me. Thank you for saying that. Yeah, congratulations on all your success. Sounds like amazing things are happening. And yeah, was, yeah thanks for being here. Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, thank you for having me and both of you as well. You know, huge, again, congrats on Forbes uh, Next 1000 and for having me here today. I'm glad I was able to hopefully inspire somebody. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Thanks guys so much for watching. We're gonna be releasing episodes weekly. And we're trying to hit the bar, so we're going to peace out. Be sure to like, subscribe, all the other things, all the social medias. Comment, share, retweet, copy, paste, link. Isn't that the TikTok thing? Just full send it. Get it done. Get it done. Get us some likes, guys. Hope you guys enjoy.